Level Up Latina partners with working women and mamas alike to guide them in achieving fulfilling career and life goals through financial empowerment, professional or leadership coaching, and personal wellness. Find the unique coaching you need to succeed. You're listening to Vettel, Ceci, and Irene, and we are Level Up Latina. Welcome to another episode of the Level Up Latina podcast. Today, in honor of Latino Heritage Month, we have Angel Aviles as our guest. Angel is a former actress turned life coach, as well as an advocate for social justice. You may remember Angel as Sad Girl from the movie Mi Vida Loca. This was one of my favorite movies actually growing up as a teenager. If you haven't watched the movie, it centers around young Latinas growing up in Echo Park, LA. It depicts everyday struggles for a group of Latino youth, including their friendships, romantic entanglements, and motherhood in a neighborhood dominated by gang violence. So, you know, early 90s, my 13-year-old self right now would have been like, oh my God, sad girl. I was sharing with Angel a little bit um, that, you know, I I totally related with the, with the movie and how I myself had a nickname. It was La Flaca. But anyway, enough about myself. Angel is here to tell us about her personal journey and the importance of having a mental health day. We're excited to have you, Angel. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Bienvenida. Welcome, yes. welcome. Yeah, we're excited to see your beautiful face. But before we start talking a little bit about your, your journey and mental health days, um, tell us about your upbringing. Tell us about your background and upbringing. Where were you born? That All that good stuff. All the good stuff. So it started way back in the 1960s. Yes, honey. I am wow. a <laughs> wow. You know, Wowza. it's it's funny because like a lot of people get uptight talking about age, and I I really want to be an advocate for aging and allowing women to enter into this era of wisdom with joy because we've been sold an incredible marketing campaign against aging, but it is a fabulous process if you let it just happen. So for those of you who are afraid to let it hang, those are the years where you're the most satisfied. So let it hang, honey. So my journey started in New York City. City. I was born in the projects in New York City in on the Lower East Side. I was born to some eccentric Puerto Rican and Venezuelan parents. We had a come up and we moved into the condos across the street from the projects. And very shortly thereafter, got shuttled up to the Bronx where I remained and mostly grew up in the Bronx. I was given the opportunity to uh, live in Boston for a while. My mom went to Harvard University. She graduated in 1974, which was very shortly after they opened the university to women. I don't need to tell you how incredible it was for a brown woman to graduate to walk that stage, but that was my mom. And she raised me to really believe that nothing is impossible, that our brain are, is, is the most powerful resource that we have. So I took that and I ran with it. She put me in ballet class and I, I was a dance major at the High School of Performing Arts back in New York City. I followed that up with like small stints in theater. I did a small, small stint in on a soap opera called Loving that was in the 80s. And I decided that I really wanted to be an actor. Of course, my mom, having gone to Harvard, was very into academics. So I, I tried to go to Hunter College, 
And um, and then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna move. I'm gonna move to the West Coast. And I moved to follow my brother. And I don't know if y'all know this, but my brother is Rico Villas. He passed away, but he was Willie Lopez in the film Ghost. So just like oh. I held, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I held on to Sad Girl. That was my claim to fame. Yeah. He had Willie Lopez, the guy who killed Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that was my my jump from the East Coast to the West Coast. Basically, one of the first auditions I had was um, for Mi Vida Loca. And I just remember reading that film and instantly knowing that it was going to be something special. It was nothing that I it was like nothing I had ever read before. Um, for one, it featured it, it was centered around the females in a gang which was something that we had not seen and to this day it's really not the the female pov is still very underused in film and to be about homegirls you know it was really something spectacular and something special because the characters were not two-dimensional and also working with the director who was very intentional about mixing actors and the actual gangbangers, which was really innovative and interesting at that time. But independent film was very large. It was, it was burgeoning in the 90s. So um, it was just a beautiful time. Wow, yeah, that's that's so cool. I was I was sharing with Angel um, a little bit off the record how uh, it was a movie where I really related. I think it was because it was about growing up and just having your little clique. And I remember having my own little clique in seventh and eighth grade. And I remember this movie and really really relating because it was like a lot of like Latino uh, Latino youth and that's those were the the you know the girls that I was hanging out with and it was like the lipstick and it was the eyeliner and I remember that I really wanted to watch this movie and my mom was like no no la vas a ver and some somehow like I ended up watching it and I loved it and I I told you know sad girl here that I was la flaca and she's like oh my god that's so funny because like those words were you know maybe I don't know how they were associated back then or maybe like negative connotation, but it was like terms of endearment that we grew up and we started calling each other. And, you know, some of us still use those to this day. Um, I, I also appreciate how you, you began by saying how, you know, you're, you're aging gracefully, you're accepting it. Props to you because I know a lot of women don't and they want to hide their age and they don't say their age. I know for, for us, we, we, we've been embracing it. Um, we, most of us or all three of us, uh, have turned or will turn 40 within, you know, this past year and on to next year. So, um, we're excited for this new decade. Angel, I wanted to, I, I know that I've read and I know that you're a big advocate for mental wellness. Um, tell us how this became your mission and your passion. Yes. Well, that was a very personal journey. So I, I dropped you off at Mi Vida Loca and my career in film. I was really privileged to be one of not that many brown women making a living in Hollywood at the time. So I definitely want to celebrate that. Um, very shortly after leaving film, I went in. I went back to school. I pursued multimedia design and implementation. I worked for corporate marketing. I was married. I had kids, I have three beautiful kids, you know, the dog, the picket 
fence. Um, but then in 2008, something really devastating happened to me. I was just in the you know, the amusement park, I was in Disney World, and I was on vacation with my three kids and my husband at the time, and I had my first panic attack. I remember this like it was yesterday because I got on the ride and I saw all these warnings and it said, if you're claustrophobic, well, I had grown up in New York, I had been in tight spaces my entire life, tiny elevators, subways, I... I spent time in Tokyo. I mean, I was shoved into like little sardine boxes and I had never had a problem. But this day, I had a massive panic attack and I really thought I was going to die. And little did I know that from that moment, I was going to experience debilitating anxiety, depression, and panic for years. I struggled with that for about two years and then I finally decided that I had to do something. I had to pursue my mental, my physical and my spiritual wellness like my life depended on it because it did. And I went on a journey of healing and wellness. And over the course of 10 years, I've not only become a panic-free living individual, but I've also recognized that my anxiety is actually a barometer and it's an emotional barometer and that I used to look at it like something I hated, but now I recognize it as a gift. It is a sensitivity for me to be pendiente, like to pay attention to all of the things that can affect that. And it can be physical, it can be emotional, it can be spiritual, it can be mental. We are such complex beings that if we have too much salt in our diet, we could be off. If we don't get enough sleep, if somebody gets on our last nerve, it, there's so many components, so many working parts to us as these dynamic creatures. We are more than electrified meat suits. We are these beings inhabiting this very complex system that's within an even more complex system. And so I recognize that if I do start to feel uncomfortable, it's not something that I'm going to allow to take me into a place of fear. I recognize that this is my opportunity to check my environment and to make the necessary changes that I need to make so that I can live my life the way that I came to live it, which is fabulously. Fortunate enough to have started an award-winning coaching practice in 2011 and um, have worked with incredible people for the last 10 years, people from all over the world. And I have a type and most of the my type is exactly like me, people who have always wanted to serve, people who have always wanted to give, make a difference uh, just for the greater good of humanity. But we've done one thing and that is put ourselves on the back burner. It's always been someone else before us because that's how we were raised. It's very cultural to be you know, the humble one, the good one, the servant, and no, no, not, not, not about me. This is not about me. It's about serving other people. And that in theory is wonderful, but it has served to create a, a real environment, a breeding ground for anxiety, depression, and panic. You said you've been doing this for 10 years? Yes. How do you feel 
things have changed in that sphere, in that space, because I feel that I don't know, but I hope and my inkling tells me that finally we're kind of coming to a place where mental health is discussed more freely, where you're absolutely right about culture, for sure. But now there's so much more stuff about athletes now finally discussing it and breaking down that barrier where they have to be tough and they can't talk about what they're going through. There's just so much coming out about that and so many studies. How are you feeling? You that know, you that have been there 10 years, is this really real or is this just like it's the flavor of the month, people are excited now, or do you see real sustainability around embracing mental health, self-care, taking care of ourselves, being okay with therapy? What are your thoughts? I love that question. And the thing about reality is that it's so personal. Your reality has to be about you. It can't be about the flavor of the month. It has to be about how you're applying these things. I have seen incredible changes, especially in my community. I am so happy to see the brown forces out there. I am so happy to see therapy for Latinx, Latinx therapy, um, all kinds of Ayala, like all of the people coming to represent and to bring cultural relevance to this this whole industry, which is super important. Um, I don't think that you can only get help from someone that looks like you or understands your experience. Mm -hmm. But I think having the, the availability and the access to that, that shit matters. Because a lot of times we've been in, you know, we've had diagnoses that are based on somebody who has no freaking idea what it's like to come up in our neighborhoods again something as simple as saying yeah they used to call me la flaca or uh, in in an endearing way call you gorda well to somebody else that's like the most that that's where your your anorexia came from you know we're w context matters so I've seen these changes. And again, I think that because context matters, when we talk about sustainability, I think we have to really think about how we can sustain this, how we as individuals can grow. Because when we're growing as individuals, we can then affect our communities on a much more holistic level. I hear you 1000%. I know I usually don't say that because I mean, obviously, there's <laughs> It's 100% or nothing, right? But I, I feel you. I that resonates so deeply with me, and I feel that I'm. You touched on the point that culturally, right? Like, there's. It doesn't matter. Like people, we love that we can relate. There could be a relatable person to help us. Um, we earlier discussed, you know, um, just find the messenger that has a message for you, in a sense, right? But in our communities, I, I know I heard you. You said about um, the anxiety, like serving right our, our family's serving it and putting yourself in the back burner and i think seeing it seeing it on a daily basis with our moms and, and in some case or some of our moms were single mothers or just seeing you know the case with the moms that had you know more than the three kids and just were handling uh, so many things and then they were always just left a, you know you were like where was my mom at the dinner table or where was where, where was my mom when we were playing outside or where was this and and you don't see that person that makes Vincent figure so i'm like i wonder how that definitely affects us because now you know for us now we're moms and we we coach women also in the fact of finding yourself and finding your voice and in your experience in these 10 years like how often is it more of the the effects of seeing that you know where you're like people can you know differentiate between like oh it was it was it was a way of showing you love or a way of like feeling like you were like they were ignored or put aside or put you know put in the back burner kind of deal the back burner is almost like the position that we're, we're assigned at birth, being women of color, being brown, like it, it, 
if you're if you dare to put yourself ahead then you're you will suffer the consequences you know there's really that you don't want to be that girl right because she's la mala she's rebellious right and so and and there's so much like i i find that regardless of how you processed that experience of either seeing your mom in that role and and she was unhappy or she was overwhelmed or exhausted or whatever it was seeing her in that role and and however you process that you are still only allowed to process a certain group of emotions and you must process them quickly because in our society that's what we do if you cannot process fast enough we will give you a pill right so we're told as latinas that we're too much i mean fuck, i'm too much for everybody right i'm just too much i'm too if i cry i'm too emotional if i yell you're violent you're too dramatic so i have been too much of something and yet i go to work and they tell me i'm not enough because i'm set up for the white male standard i'm never going to be a white male and yet you've given me these goals, these white male goals. And so I take my personality that's too much of one thing and not enough of another, and I have to survive this world. And it's a lot. That's like the realest thing I've heard all day, all week. Where do you land if you don't fit here and you don't fit there? And how do you cope? It's just crazy. But I love that we're embracing who we are. That is for real. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It was yeah. some realness. It was some realness. Ceci, we're completely taking over these questions. We are fascinated by this piece of it. We can go on and on and on, I know, about mental health. We're fucking experts at coping. But yeah. coping is not healing. It's not. It's right? Not. Mm-hmm. They're two separate are things. Are you also a preacher, Angel? Are Honey, you gonna, yes, I I'm preach gonna every church fucking it. day. Oh, right? I knew it. I'm like, I knew she was gonna be, I work at the church of blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, yeah, I got a congregation of blah, blah, blah. Like, the way I the message is delivered, it's I so... Just, it's healing the way the message is delivered it is it really is thank you i keep it real and that's the only way to do it i know that i have a very particular audience my clients are very particular type of people and so i speak to that heart there's somebody for everybody and i'm not for everybody but i'm for my people so when i'm speaking it's real and it's going to touch and it's going to cut sometimes and it's going to get the shit that has to be cut out and we're going to cut that out together we're going to sew it up together and you're going to go on about your business not worrying about where you're going to fit because it's not your job to fit in it's your job to find the place where everybody's going to fit in around you i don't want the job that's already been created Fuck that job I want the job that hasn't been invented yet. Boot girl, where do I send in my donation? <laughs> I hear you, Angel. I hear you. Thank you. Right. And, and we invest in each other. And also we encourage our kids to be thinkers, to be problem solvers, to understand that we're sending them into institutions that are not for them. But guess what? You can master that shit anyway. You learn what they're trying to teach you. And then you hold on to what I taught you at home feeling all this, you know, this vibe that you're sending and trans, you know, transpiring to us. And I know this kind of is a good segue to, you know, the next question, which is mental health and and mental health day. And I know you're a big advocate for a mental health day and that we all need one, you know, once in a while. So tell us about that. What, what is it? What's a mental health day? How would you define one? And when would, when would, would you know 
that one needs one. So there is actually a calendar day, mental health day, right? It's an international mental health day. I am horrible because I don't have it in my mind by heart, but you can look it up online. You can Google mental health day. I call my mental health day, Sin Vergüenza Day. It is the day that we give up the shame campaign that we've had. If you have a problem with how you look in the mirror, cover that shit up and decide, I'm not going to look at that because I'm not, I, if I can't stop seeing all the shit that's wrong with me or all the things I've been conditioned to think are wrong, then I don't need to, to look at it. If I can't process, if I can't take in data from media sources that are encouraging me, telling me to love this, to love this brown, brown fabulousness that is me, then I need to turn off the internet. Whatever you need to do to stop allowing yourself to process the things that make you feel like shit, that's mental health day. If that means not showing up at your job for that day, and also when you take a day off at work, not filling it up with chores and shit for other people, start dating yourself, go on a date. How about discovering something that's organic to you? We have come to, in our relationships, in our jobs, at, you know, as parents, as community leaders, everything is such a compromise that we don't even know some basic things about ourselves. What's your favorite smell? Is your favorite smell actually your favorite smell? Or is it just a compromise of what you've come to accept in your household? Maybe your husband doesn't like flowers. You love flowers, but you haven't had a flower scent in your house because somebody's allergic or they don't like it. What about how you want to look, how you want to present yourself, how you want to feel in your skin? So really coming to that point, you need a series of mental health days. Because just like we need to walk, we need to drink water, we need to breathe oxygen every day, we need to apply these same things to our mental health. We need time to process our emotions. Anytime you allow yourself to really process your emotions and not make excuses for it and stop apologizing for shit that you don't have to be sorry for, that's mental health day. So what you're saying is that a mental health day, it could be any day that you pick and that you do things for yourself. It could be if you just want to like, you know, sit down, watch TV all day, but not not doing anything for others. You're just going to sit down, make food for yourself if you want to, or go out and eat if you want to, not worry about others and be okay with it, be guilt-free and not feel, just feel bad about it. I think that's what you're you know, telling us. And ultimately, you can just wake up the next day and say, you know what, I'm gonna take a mental health day. From my understanding, you don't need a doctor's note, right? No, you, wait, I wish you would, employer. I wish you would. <laughs> that's what I have to Try me, that. try me, employer. Try. Yes, find what you need and do that, right? It's just that simple. Find what you need. Sometimes you need sleep. You feel cranky. You, you, you're overwhelmed. You're tired, but you keep thinking about all the shit that you have to do. If it helps you to write a list down and then set that shit up on fire and decide, guess what? Not today, bitch. I'm not going to do any of this. What I'm going to do is sit my ass down and look out the window. How about that? I'm going to do a whole lot of freaking nothing. Because I'm not going to tie my value up as a human being in what I do. I'm just going to allow myself to be and to value myself as this living, breathing being who just deserves to be here. 
I am totally on the same page with you. I feel that we had a conversation about perfectionism and a, a conversation about these expectations when we grow up, you know, and, and always wanting to live the life that other people kind of wanted us to live. And it's not in a sense saying goodbye to what we were taught at home. There's things that we do let go of because they're toxic and they're not, we don't need them and they're not part of our growth process, right? But I realized at the point uh, for me that came to like changing and being really happy uh, despite of the career, despite of the numbers in my, you know, the commas in my salary, despite everything else, like I was not happy unless until the moment I chose to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, there were, it got to the point, I think this was like in my, like 25, 26, I was like, I'm done. And prior to that, um, it, like at 18, 19, I decided to stop being so angry. I was so, I was just like constantly looking for a fight. It wasn't my fight, but I would go fight it for somebody else. You know, I would stand up to someone because there was something, there was just like something that really was either the, the, the rebel or someone that I just felt like, I need to do something. And I, I, I'm like, you know what? Next thing you know, I might, I might end up looking some death in the, in the eyes and think I got it. And it really taught me to just like slow down. Everything is a choice, right? And we need to be able to choose ourselves when it comes down to it. It doesn't mean that you can't give to your family, that you can't give to your partner, you can't give to your friends. You do that all okay. But since we just focus so hard on everybody else that we just don't choose us most of the time it gets so overwhelming and it gets tiresome and it gets to the point you're like fuck this shit i'm done but the earlier we realize it it just makes it it makes life and you know the need for mental health is maybe a little bit less because you're choosing you and these mental health days are for you for you to you know, regroup and get in touch with, you know, that little inner child that are the things that you love to do. I'm like, you were talking about what are the scents you love? And I'm like, I love the smell of wet dirt, right? So I was like, oh, well, my house is already cochina. I'm just going to spray some water around. Let's see if the smell comes out, right? But I'm like, dude, that's so true. Like, I feel so connected or grounded when I have, when I, that scent hits my nose. Like, as soon as I smell it, I'm just like, I feel home, which is really weird, but and it takes me back to my childhood, which was yeah. a, such an easy time. So it, it's not like this ingenuine thing where you're like, oh, my favorite scent is like the Kim Kardashian perfume or, <laughs> or the, whatever the random thing is cool. It's probably Kendall Jenner. Look, but I was thinking about like cut grass, fresh, freshly cut grass. Reminds me of my daddy. He was a gardener. My brothers were gardeners. So whenever I smell it, it takes me back to my youth. It takes me back to being a kid when we were free in that space. And, and you're right to like stop and think about those things and how perfect that sad girl's getting us here to think about these things and to yes. stop and to actually fulfill our lives in a different way and be present. But yeah, mine would be cut grass, but I don't want a lot like yours brings me back to a simpler time in being young. Yes. And there's something very significant neurologically about that, right? You've created neurological pathways. Those are, are like historical markers that, that that's how you can go back to that time, right? You're not going back to the toxic things. You're going back to the happy moments, the simple moments, and something that can be so easy. You can go out in the morning hours when gardeners are going, are a, a simple walk can set you right, right? You can water the plants mm -hmm. or you can get into pottery mm -hmm. and, and all of a sudden you're, you're there doing something that is so personal and so beautiful. And I promise that if you indulge yourself in that, you 
tap into a well that makes you so much more powerful, so much more present and available to really be something phenomenal for the people in your life. Me now, serving myself and giving myself that oxygen first, well, shit, I'm a fucking powerhouse for everybody. I'm a powerhouse for everybody because I, I, I connected to my own divine, that dirt, that grass. Those are gifts from the divine. They don't need to be manufactured. They've already been created. Angel, what's your favorite scent? Oh, I love the smell of cinnamon. I have, I have my separate things, right? So I, I really love the smell of cinnamon. Um, I also love rosemary. I tend to like um, kitchen herbs because they remind me of my mom and baking. Mm, yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. 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 I, for me, I mean, even though I hated cleaning, like the, the smell of pine soul. Like just reminds me of like being home and it was like Saturday morning chores. My mom was blasting like um, her music and it was like Rocio Dulcal. That's like remember cleaning, the smell of pine soul. Like it just brings me up to or brings me back to that to that moment in time. And speaking of smells and speaking of like making us happy. Angel, you wrote a book and it's called Too Happy to be Sad Girl. Share with us why was it important to you to write this book and share this journey? So this book, again, <laughs> took me 10 years to write this book, and it started out me just creating kind of a workbook for my clients. I wanted them to have like a series. So many of the questions I got were, well, how do you do? What do you do? How do you apply these techniques? And so I just started to record this series of techniques that I used to become more conscious, to create more creativity in my life, to just get more centered, right? Ultimately, it became a book when I realized the techniques are important and they're there for everyone, but I need to put my story in there, right? I need to share my personal journey and what got me to the point of really needing these things. Right. And that was the hard part. Right. Because then we're talking about sexual abuse when I was a kid. We're talking about all of the ugly things that I put in the closet and you're not supposed to talk about in our culture. Right. Calladita se ves más bonita. Right. It was all the laundry that I aired out that I was afraid to air out. And I thought I needed to put it in there in doses that made it okay to talk about, but that wasn't so specific that people would be like, oh yeah, no, that wasn't me. I wanted it to be, maybe this exact thing didn't happen in this exact same way, but something happened to you. You want to think about it? You want to talk about it? Let's go. It was meant to be a stimulator of dialogue. And, um, I'm really proud of it and it and it's done exactly that. That's awesome. Congratulations. I know you you know you started with like, well, it took me 10 years, but you got it done. And it's it was your way to share. And I think it's important for us as Latinas to share, right? To, we have the platform, we have the voice. Like, why not share the journey? Because there's someone out there that's gonna connect with you and it's gonna really help them. So thank you for for sharing that with us. Thank um, you. 
And to get back a little bit on the subject on, on mental health awareness, um, you were recently recognized by the president of Los Angeles City County in honor of Mental he Health Awareness Month. Tell us more about that recognition and how it came to be. Oh my gosh, what an honor because she is the first Latina um, in that role. So it was really, really um, sort of surreal. Obviously, I grew up, in, I, I was born in New York City, but I honestly feel like LA has been the place that I really grew up. I came here as a young adult. I've been, I spent my entire young adulthood, my entire adult life in Los Angeles. And so to be honored um, by the city that has given me so much was, was just an incredible like uh, I felt full circle, especially because at this time I'm ready to leave. I'm ready to pursue this next chapter in my life, which includes traveling the world and um, really kind of rediscovering some of my cultural roots. I'm starting in Mexico, which is hilarious because I'm Puerto Rican and Venezuelan, but um, because living in Los Angeles, Mexican culture, Chicano culture has had such an, a profound impact on me, as well as Central American. I've decided to go, start in North America and make my way down. So that's where exactly, plan. where are you going? Like all of North and Central America? I'm go. Yes, South I'm too? starting in Mexico. So I'm starting in North America. I'm going all the way across from, I'm going to do Mexico City to, to the Yucatan and then I'll come back and then do Mexico City to Guadalajara. I've been to like the Pacific, so I may not do that, but then I'll be going into Central America and, and, you know, just making my way through. That's beautiful. I actually just did that a couple of years ago with my family and we started Iwad. We weirdly we went to Puerto Rico. So funny story. We we started a week in Puerto Rico as family and then we ended up in Belize and then we ended up back in Mexico and then went through Central America and South America with the whole family yeah. for a year. It was I incredible. Love it. So if I can recommend a couple of places in Mexico, if you're still working on your itinerary, like I would say there's just a, and I'm glad that you're going to Yucatan. We actually just did that recently, but Chiapas. Uh, would be beautiful to see Oaxaca and those parts of Mexico that I don't think get enough love and attention and it really works well for that Central America pre-visit but uh, yeah. congratulations good luck you're gonna thank have a blast you. thank you I'm excited don't tell all the secrets and everyone's gonna go there ah. <laughs> we'll DM you girl we will DM you <laughs> yes. and Vero I really wanted to touch really quickly on something that you talked about and and in, in terms of anger I think that that is such a huge component in our community like we are again like having that range of emotions where when you are outside that range you're considered problematic or you're labeled some sort of way um i think that that was one of the things that i really had to deal with um a lot of anger from you know just from childhood and then going on through adulthood like i said since we're in this world that is not for us it's not made for us and we're we're forced to kind of adapt and adjust to this this life a lot of us are fucking angry and with good reason but we don't often get asked like why are you so angry right you just gotta suck it up like you're told well you should be grateful because you're here 
Angel, they asked you, but they asked you in that condescending, calm your ass down way. Why are you so angry? You're always so angry. You don't need to be angry. Calmate. You know, that's the right. beautiful way that you're asked. Then it's like, just pile it on. No one oh, gives calmate. you a shit calmate. about your You want to tell me that one more time? Calmate. Yeah. Then you want to calm your ass down, but they asked about why you're angry. Yeah, that's doesn't right. really work. Mm-hmm. Right. Thank you for touching on that because I feel that sometimes since we're not asked, we're just regándonos todo, right? Right. And, and it could be that maybe it's not the typical thing that causes anger but the built-up the whole not being able to discuss whatever might be on your mind or share what's on your mind or your experience it might have been not as significant as you thought it was and maybe having shared it could have been made things a little bit easier kind of builds up all this stuff but since you know we don't talk about sex with our family we don't talk about money with our family then we don't you know feelings can like who talks about feelings it's more like survive and do it and do the damn thing right but I feel that in our, you know, not in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, and in our families, in our culture overall, like, the less you kind of say, it's better. Like, it, let everybody perceive you how they want to perceive you, because, but don't share your story. You know, don't share it, um, because they're not going to understand, and they're just going to judge you. So, there's, that sharing isn't as open or as available for us. So then we grow up being like these badass chingonas that will shank you, give you trip out, you know. But at the same time, it's like we need to find a way to vent and let it out and and really become those chingonas without the, you know, the fuse in a sense, right? And and to be honest, like anger is fuel, right? It is the uh, it's an emotional fuel. It's easier to be angry and feel strong than it is to feel hurt, to feel disappointed, to feel out of, like something out of control. It's easier for it was easier for me to be angry than to feel somebody like when I put it when it was in my mind that somebody took something from me. Oh, I would I had fuel to walk the streets and be like, I'll kill somebody like I can do this. As opposed to feeling like vulnerable and weak, like, oh my God, this could happen to me again. Nope, I had to get angry enough that I made sure that this was never going to happen to me again. So there's a power in anger. And I think that we don't want to eliminate or pretend that that power doesn't exist. We want to be able to use it and say, okay, so how can we use this? There's no bad emotions. We just have to figure out how we're going to use them. It would be like if we said, well, I don't like, I don't like the, this note in, in music. Nobody play a D flat because I hate a D flat. It wouldn't make sense. We were given this range of emotions. Let's figure out how to place it in a healthy place where we can move through and make some shit happen. I agree with you a thousand percent and it's an exercise that I do with my clients. So, you know, we're life coaches as well. And for some people, it just really resonates. So I have one client working on some goals for the year and what works with her is to really think about what pisses her off and what makes her angry. Why? Because sometimes nothing else is going to motivate us to get off the fucking couch and get after it. Right. Nothing's going to motivate us as much as that feeling of like, it really makes me angry that actually these are the things that are going to happen if I don't get after the goals that I say I want. So we dig into like, what do you really want? And then what do you really feel when you think you don't get there? And then that makes you angry. It's like, no, I really want that. Actually, it makes me angry to think that I'm not going to have this 
XYZ thing for my children, for instance. And it makes them so angry to know they're not going to have that for their children. And it's like, well, then that's the fuel you need. Whenever you're making up excuses, you're making bad decisions around money or stamina or health or just getting off the couch and doing the things, the simple things or the hard things that you said you wanted to do. Are you angry? Can you think about that anger? And I try to mix it with a positive too, like a positive reinforcement, like two feelings. Two, but I think anger is absolutely, for the right person, it works really well to get you going, to get you personally going and to remind you of like, no, I don't want to feel like this forever. I got to do this right now. I got to do right. this because I'm really going to just be more pissed off at myself because this other thing I want, I really want for my life and I've already determined why. And when you know the why and the thing that gets you pissed off about it, I think it really moves you to act. And so anger can definitely be used, I think, for good. Um, I think it's just often in our society, not necessarily a good thing. And it does come with a yes, lot of baggage. Especially as Latinas who get yeah. labeled like these yeah. locas, you know, yes. like we, 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 we want to be able to just express ourselves and, and, and be this, be this big. And it's not necessarily accepted, but it's like, fuck it. You have to work with what you have, right? When we talk about sustainable mental health, you have to be willing to stand in your own wellness, whatever that looks like. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this actually brings us to one of our favorite que or our favorite question to ask our guests. And it's the last question. We always ask our guests. And the question is, Angel, what advice would you give your 25-year-old self? What advice would I give my 25-year-old self? I always immediately think to say thank you to my 25 year old self, because she did the best that she could with what she knew at the time. So when I go back and get her, because often I do have to go back and get her when I feel like something is triggering and I go back and I realize it came from my 25 year old self or my 15 year old self. Um, I, I really always wanna say that you're going to be okay, but you don't have to wait. You can be okay now, and you are okay. I love that. I love that. That's a great tip. And speaking of tips, another great tip that you gave was allow yourself to be. I think that's that should be the tip of the day, Irene Kiopinas. Allow yourself to be. Right on, Ceci. Thank you for sharing your nuggets. Um, ladies, do you guys have any final questions or comments for Angel or anything you just want to share? I'm like, I have like 25 tips of the day that I have right here. Thank you, Angel. Um, one will be your reality is about you. Remember that. And dare. Dare to be different, yo. Dare. Who cares if they label you loca, no sé qué tanto, problemática, tóxica. Llámenme lo que quieran. Yo soy yo, you know? <laughs> Right. And, and you know what? The, I always think to myself in relationships in particular, like sometimes ingredients come together to create something toxic. But, you know, that 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 ingredient by itself was fine. Just don't put it in a fucked up situation and you're going to be OK. Write that one down too, Riddle. These are so good. There you go. <laughs> I just want to say thank you. This has been fantastic. Yeah. Just incredible. It's exactly what we need. And we'd love to have you back. I know that there's a whole month around mental health awareness. And we just need more of this. We just need more of this. Making it okay. Demystifying, you know, what it is to have therapy. To be well-adjusted. And even just having the courage some people literally need courage to take a mental health day because of all the other shit and all the other baggage so if we can encourage one person here to write it on their calendar 
really check in with themselves and decide when their next mental health day is or if you're right now listening to this like literally overwhelmed with emotion it's because you need one like take that mental health day take it take it take it take it and you don't and need if to you call don't it that if you don't want to call it that yeah, yeah. exactly if you don't feel comfortable calling it that vacay day sick day but you yeah. know what it is I, ha- I have staff that will tell me you know i'm taking a sick day i'm taking a mental health day and i do love that i do love that they're you know willing to put it out there like they're going through some stuff and i think it's kind of smart to kind of drop that hint with your boss when it's a mental health day you know maybe you're the one crazy being the crazy in a bad way not crazy in the stigma way but in a way that you could be draining some folks and draining their mental health so yeah, yeah i'm just really grateful And recognizing, too, that most people who aren't going to be okay with you taking your mental health day are not okay with their own mental health. And that's something that you really cannot worry about. You can't worry about navigating someone else's emotions, their wellness, their mental health. Most people who can't handle you cannot handle themselves. If you can't handle me, you can't handle me in my mental health day. Chill out, okay? Word, word, but, yeah. word. You don't word. deserve me. You don't deserve you me. You don't deserve this me. Fantastic. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Angel. You. Thank you, Angel, for your being here today, for sharing space, and for all the great tips you gave us today. Um, if if share with us, um, how can people find your book? Uh, how can they find your the movie? Um, how can they find you? All your platforms. Share share them here with us. So my website is angelawakened.com. And you can find most of my things on that. Um, You can order a book. I I don't actually think I have any more signed books that are available. But um, I usually sign books at my website, toohappytobesadgirl.com. You can get a copy um, on amazon.com. You can find me on Instagram at angelawakened. You can find me on Twitter at toohappytobesadgirl. Thank you. Thank you. And to our listeners, we're going to be planning a retreat in Mexico con Angel, hopefully a level of Latina retreat. So stay tuned. I don't know when it's going to happen because we're still, you know, the pandemic, but somehow we'll make it happen. And we'd love to have you back, Angel. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, And, you know, to our listeners, how to find us if you don't already or if you want to continue the conversation, make sure you DM us on our Instagram or Facebook page. Our handle is at Level of Latina. Our email is admin at leveloflatina.com. And you can also find us on Twitter. Our handle there is at Latina underscore up. And that's a wrap. Thank you, Angel. Thank you, Mujeres, for Bravo. being here. Thank you for listening. Gracias. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Gracias. Thank you. Thank you.